All right. So yesterday we were learning about how the sign that Yosef sent his father that he was uh, still alive was the wagons he sent to his father. And the reason why he chose wagons was because the word wagon is related to the word calf. And the last thing he learned with his father were the laws of the Egla Rufa, the laws of the slaughtered calf. And with this, he wasn't only telling his father that indeed it was true that he was alive and he remembered and he gave his father a sign that it's true because how else would he know that? But also, Yosef um, was also hinting to his father that, um, that, that he's alive spiritually. But you can hear me properly? You can hear me? Yes. So he's also into his father, he's alive spiritually. And the reason why this mitzvah specifically was chosen to um, highlight Yosef's integrity was because this mitzvah has a spiritual counterpart. It's not only about publicizing um, the death of someone and hopefully through that finding who the murderer is, but it also alludes to the spiritual death of a person and how we're responsible to uh, when you see someone who is going into an environment that could, God forbid, separate them, detach them from their source of the life of Hashem. So we're obligated to uh, to uh, take care of them. As the Tanan Deval Rabba says, when you see someone naked, you have to give them clothing. When you see someone who's hungry, you have to give them food. Naked means naked from mitzvahs. And hungry, they're missing Torah. So Yaakov was telling Yosef about the responsibility that we have for each other. And by teaching him about this, he was also giving him a uh, empowering message that I'm with you and you're not alone. And you're going to go to this very difficult mission, but you're not going by yourself. That's what Yaakov was imparting to Yosef with the law of Egla Rufa. By, t- by talking to him about responsibility, he's also alluding to the fact and empowering him with the truth that he's not going there by himself, that, y- y- that Yosef is going with Yaakov. That's the um, basic point we did uh, uh, up to one second. Yes. Right. Okay. Now I'm going to uh, uh, go in. Uh, tell you to you outside, but we don't have too much time today to catch a flight over here in Seattle back to uh, home sweet home. Um, so uh, now we're going to ask a question about what we learned to know. Questions like this. The point over here is, is that Yosef remained righteous, remained holy, remained at Sadiq despite whatever was going on. But ya- Yosef doesn't just give this message to Yaakov. Yaakov's reaction to Yosef is, my son is greater than me. Yaakov, the Medrash says that when he lost Yosef and he was separated from Yosef, uh, he said to God, um, he said to his children uh, after they came back from Egypt and they and they had to leave uh, Shimon there uh, and they wanted to bring Benjamin back, 
uh, Yaakov said, why did he do such evil to me by telling this viceroy of Egypt that you have another brother? That's what Yaakov was saying. And Hashem said, I am busy crowning your son as the king of Egypt, and you're complaining. So Yaakov Medrashez was on a lower level than Yosef, and Yaakov acknowledged this. And it, says, and it emphasizes how Yosef was even greater than Yaakov. And the question is, why is this pertinent here? Why is it important to know when Yosef, when Yaakov says the words, my son is alive, he says, Rav, O Yosef Nichai. He's not just alive, he's more alive than I am. Why is that relevant here specifically? Why is Yaakov emphasizing this here when he discovers that Yosef is alive? Why is, he, why is this relevant here? Also, another question is, Aliyah number three, according to our custom, begins in the middle of a subject and it ends in the middle of a subject. It begins with Yosef telling his brothers that he wasn't sent there by him because they sold him. Rather, the reason why he is in Egypt is because God sent him there. He has to be there to support them and to nourish the whole world. It was Elohim. It was God who sent him there. That's Yosef's... Um, those are Yosef's words. Those are Yosef's words to his brothers. He's telling them that it's not you. Don't feel bad. And then Yosef continues on in the beginning of the third Aliyah when he says, "You didn't send me here. God sent me here." One second. One. Yeah. Yosef says, "You didn't send me here. God sent me." Now, it seems like Yosef is just continuing the conversation. He's continuing the same point. You didn't send me here. God sent me here. That's what he was saying the whole time. And yet, the Aliyah number three begins with Yosef saying seemingly the same point he was saying the whole time. It wasn't you. God made me to become the viceroy of the Pharaoh and to rule over all of Egypt. It's the same point. And yet, we begin Aliyah number three in middle of Yosef's words to his brothers. Aliyah number three ends with the Torah saying, the spirit of Yaakov is revived. Aliyah number four begins with Yaakov remarking after discovering that Yosef is alive and saying, Yosef, my son is alive. I will go and see him before I die. So Yaakov's reaction to Yosef being alive seems to... Um, be part of the same subject as Leah number three. And yet we stop Leah number three in the middle and we talk about Yaakov's reaction to discovering that Yosef is alive in Leah number four. So first we have Yosef saying, uh, Yaakov saying, Yaakov's spirit being revived because he discovers that Yosef is alive. And then he begins in Leah number four saying, I'm going to go see him. Why not just end the subject? Say, Yaakov discovers Yosef is alive. And then he says, and therefore I should go see him. But no, we stop at Leah number three. Yaakov's spirit is revived. And then we go to Leah number four and say, oh, uh, therefore I'm going to go see him. Why are we stopping in the middle of the subject? And with Yaakov saying, I want to go see Yosef. No, we stop in the middle when Yaakov's spirit is revived. Aliyah ends. Next Aliyah, I should go see him. Why do we do that? So to understand all these questions, we have to understand the meaning of why Yosef was the first Jew sent to Egypt. There is a difference between Yosef and the patriarchs. They 
chose to be shepherds. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were shepherds. And the reason they wanted to be shepherds was because they wanted to maintain their attachment to Hashem. And what better job is there to be in a state of, of uh, sublime tranquility and holiness than being a shepherd? That's why they wanted that job. Yosef had a unique quality that surpassed Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And that was, although he went to Egypt and although he became a slave to Potiphar, and although he even went to prison, and although he became later the viceroy of Egypt, he was so involved in all the muck and grime of Egypt, and yet he remained with perfect attachment, perfect, and that, the word's not just integrity, dveikus is the right word. He was in a state of rapture with the divine, even while he was engaged fully working in Egypt. So that is why he's the first one that goes to Egypt because it's what he does that empowers the Jewish people subsequent to his arrival to, in Egypt that they should do the same thing. That even when they come to Egypt, they should still uh, maintain their connection to Hashem. And that's why Yosef said that God sent me here to give you nourishment. His mission to Egypt was to open up a channel of a new path, of a new way of serving God, that you're able to live in Egypt and you're still able to be attached to Hashem. It was a spiritual nourishment. And that's why Yosef is constantly using the word Elohim. In the beginning of Genesis, in the beginning of Bereshus, we have the name Elohim a few times. But here, the, throughout the story of Yosef, we're talking about Elohim, Elohim, Elohim. Why? Because we're talking about a scenario where there is a concealment of godliness, where there's an experience that Hashem is hiding, so to speak. And that's what the name Elohim is about. Elohim is numerically equivalent, equivalent to nature, Hateva, and it's the way Hashem hides himself. So Yosef was saying that his mission was in a, in a circumstance of pain and difficulty and concealment and darkness. And we don't see how Hashem's mercy is, is reaching you. And you feel you're alone. And Yosef is able in that difficult circumstance to, to cause great salvation to the Jewish people and the world uh, there as well. So that's why he was sent there first to empower the Jewish people to uh, withstand the, the, the temptation and the, and the angst of being in a state of, uh, of divine concealment. But that's not the goal of why Yosef went to Egypt. I think Rabbi Shachat used the expression, you could really um, stay out of trouble and end up in a Ganeden for losers. The purpose of Yosef's uh, going to Egypt wasn't just he shouldn't stay out of trouble. It wasn't just so he should maintain his attachment to Hashem. He shouldn't lose. That's not the, that's not the purpose. The purpose of the soul descent to the world is not just that it shouldn't mess up. The reason why Yosef was sent to Egypt was, as the word Yosef means, the word Yosef means to add. Something new should happen. When Rachel gave birth to Yosef, she said, may God give me another son. And the message says that the words she used were it's very specific. She said, may God give me a son, a stranger. And Tzermach explained that she wanted that her son should be someone 
who could help a person who feels like they're a stranger, that they're not part of the Jewish people, they should also feel a part that they're part of it, that they're also part of the family. And that's not only about individuals, Yosef is about an environment which feels otherly, which feels that this environment is not part of it, this environment is not godly, it's not holy. And the unique power of Yosef is to transform that kind of environment and to make that environment holy as well. That's what Yosef is about. Not just to not be affected, but to make a change, to change things there. That's what Mashiach is about. Mashiach is not only about, we'll keep all the mitzvahs like we did before. Mashiach is about all of the Gentiles in the entire world serving God. It's not just about bringing things back. It's about making something new, that the entire world is transformed to serve Hashem. And that's what Yosef did. Someone asked me earlier this week, Yosef, according to Rashi, he didn't just force everyone in Egypt to, to keep the seven laws of Noah. Rashi says he even circumcised them. And the reason why he did that was because halachically, if they were his possessions, if the Egyptians were his slaves, the halach is, if you have a slave, you have to circumcise your slave. They can have a knani. So Yosef is not just maintaining his integrity. He's transforming the whole fiber of the culture of Egypt. So there's a huge difference between the two elements in Yosef's mission. Number one, that he is maintaining his integrity or his rapture, his attachment to Hashem. And number two, the transformation he's affecting in Egypt is a huge difference. The first thing, maintaining his integrity, not being affected, not being brought down, that's something that all of us are empowered to do personally. We have it in us. Not, everyone knows the Jewish people are called uh, Yaakov, Yisrael, that's names of the Jewish people. Not everyone knows, but in yesterday in Hayom Yom, Jewish people are called Yosef. That's one of our names. Hashem led the Jewish people, the sheep, Yosef. We're called Yosef. Why are we called Yosef? We're called Yosef, the Medrash says, that just because Yosef fed the Jewish people in a time of hunger, since he fed us time of hunger, therefore that's our name. It's not only about him feeding us physically. It's about us, it's about Yosef giving us the ability to be in a state of spiritual hunger. And despite the fact that we're in a state of spiritual hunger, a, a state of concealment, a con state of darkness, we're able to still live a perfect spiritual life. Yosef gave, gave us this, this power like food. What's the emphasis that Yosef fed us? Food is something you put in your system. It's not like uh, just the, the air that you breathe. It's not just, just something that you that you're in an environment. Food is, becomes part of you. The, the ability of a Jew to be able to be connected to Hashem no matter what's going on around him, that's something in us. That's something which is part of us. That's something that we could, that's something that's, we're, that, that is our identity. We are Yosef. We're able to do that. That's the first power of Yosef, the power of not being affected, not being brought down. The second power of Yosef is unique to Yosef. Even Avram Yaakov didn't have this unique ability to transform. Only Yosef did. So the Torah says that since Yosef did this himself, he imparted us to be his emissaries to carry his strength. It's not, in other words, it's not our own. The first element of not being affected, of not not losing our inte integrity, of not getting cut off. That's something that we have inside of us. That's something he fed us. 
The second power of transforming our surroundings, that's something that, which is unique to Yosef, but Yosef imparts to us this power as his emissary. It's not something, something we have intrinsically. It's something that we receive from him, but not something that we own. So now we can understand the division of Aliyah number three. Aliyah number three begins with Yosef saying, you didn't send me here, God sent me here. Aliyah number three is about the second power of Yosef. Yo, where Yosef says, where Yosef says that Yosef in Aliyah number three begins talking about his influence on Egypt, how he became the master of Egypt. Aliyah number two ends with Yosef, Yosef um, going down to Egypt and not being affected. Okay, that's that's point number one. That's, that's Yosef's first power. The higher power of Yosef to transform Egypt, that is in Aliyah number three. It's a different subject, a different subject. And that also explains why Aliyah number three ends with Yaakov being revived, Yaakov feeling so good that Yosef is, is still holy, still righteous. He hasn't been brought down. That's something Yaakov could identify with. That's something Yaakov himself experienced. Yaakov was in the house of Lavan. Yaakov was there for 20 years. He worked there with all of his might, and he still remained Yaakov. So Yaakov identifies with Yosef's achievement, his first achievement of not being brought down. Yaakov was able to do that. But then in Aliyah number four, Yaakov starts talking about Yosef's unique power that Yaakov, that Yaakov doesn't have. And that is the ability of transforming the darkness of the exile itself, transforming the nations of the world themselves, that they should also be servants of Hashem. That's something which is a unique quality that only Yosef has. And therefore, Yaakov says in the beginning of Aliyah number four, Yosef is greater than me. It's not something that I have. This is something that he has. It's a new thing in Aliyah number four. It's not part of Aliyah number three. Aliyah number three is about Yosef still being a tzaddik. Aliyah number four is about Yaakov recognizing Yosef has something beyond what Yaakov has, and that is the ability to, to transform his surroundings. So what's the bottom line for us? The leader of our generation, the Rebbe says, is, is, is the, the Rebbe's father-in-law, the Friedrich Rebbe, whose name is Yosef. The Yosef of our generation opened and paved the path to all the students and all of his emissaries who walk in his footsteps. And through the, his emissaries and students, he paved the way for all the Jewish people that they should be able to spread the Torah and spread Yiddishkeit and spread the wellsprings of Chassidus to the outside in every place and in every situation, even in the Egyptian um, kind of environment, in the, in the lowest and deepest and furthest kind of environment. And it's not in a way that you're just not being, that you're not only not being brought down by the place you go to, but more the opposite, be able to transform that place where you are and the, the the Gentiles in that place and all the people in the world that they should also serve Hashem as Moshe Rabbeinu commanded us to encourage all the nations of the world to serve Hashem as well. And even though the Rebbe says it may seem the place you're in is like Elohim, it's a place of concealment. It's a place of it's not a place where you see Hashem's power. You you see Agbas Nefesh, you see pain. But through Yosef, we receive the power to reveal godliness, even in the place that we are sent, wherever we're sent. And further, not just to reveal godliness there, but Yosef means to add, to bring additional power, additional light of Hashem by, by, by the, fulfilling the mission in the place that you're sent and revealing Hashem in that place. This causes how you suffer. Yosef means to add something more. 
That's what Yosef told the brothers in the beginning of the third Aliyah. You didn't send me here. This is not something you guys could do. You didn't just mean to say, don't feel bad because you, you sold me. Yosef was saying this kind of thing is not something that you have intrinsically, but because of the, the Friedrich Rebbe empowering us, we're able to do this. And by adding in our Torah and our Yiddish guide and spreading chassidus to the most distant place, we will speed in the coming of the true to Mashiach Tzakeinu, will build the base of Migdash in its place and gather all the Jewish people there to Israel and it will fix up the whole world to serve Hashem. Here, Dr. Bresson, here we're going. Here, Blake. Here you are. Where is Reb Zev? Where are you? Are you back home? Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem, home with Richter, right? <laughs> I go yeah. to Shabbos. I've got Shabbos, David. <laughs>